Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Job chapters 2, 3, and 4. We didn't get a chance to speak um, about Job chapter 1, although we did read it yesterday and so this this story of Job is one that's told a lot uh, mentioned a lot um, for for some of us sometimes I think we feel we live portions of this story right just things happening that we don't understand uh, unfortunate events occurring and um, Job's a really interesting story because it gives a it gives a, a, a great deal of attention to Satan. Um, not a great deal in comparison to the context of the entire book, Job, uh, uh, of the book of Job. Very, very few passages are about Satan, but when you look at the context of the entire Bible, if you were to go into a deep study of Satan, you would inevitably find yourself at Job, because this is one of the few mentionings uh, in detail of him uh, in the Bible. Okay, He's scattered abroad from from Genesis to Revelation, clearly. But, normally it's in passing, but this is, he's kind of at the the central theme of the book of Job, because that's how it starts in, in the first chapter of Job, is that Job is a very wealthy man. He has, as the Bible describes, a hedge of blessing around him, and um, Satan comes before God to question uh, Job's integrity, and he basically said, um, uh, "The only reason that he blesses you is because of the blessing that you've put on him, and if you were to to allow me to take all that away from him, then he would then he would curse you." And, you know, the name Satan, it means accuser. Okay, so what he, the words in which he speaks are, are just always accurate with his name. He is an accuser. And that's what he's, he, he's doing here in the first chapter of Job. Is he's accusing uh, Job that the only reason that he blesses God is because God blesses him. And so the Lord actually does something that is trivial to us. This is one of these things that's just demonstrates the sovereignty of God. We have a hard time wrapping our little bitty feeble minds around the sovereignty of God. But God allows for Satan to sift him, so to speak. And he says, you know, you can go. Um, he, He says, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch your hand. And so then he, he, he strips away at all of his wealth, basically. Fire, fire comes, and all these uh, unfortunate events take place. And they all take place at once, just suddenly. And that's how it works sometimes, isn't it? With testing, 
it's like in a day's time it feels like everything comes against you or in a few days time or a week's time um it's a it's like a sifting takes place and um it, these moments are incredibly uncomfortable but i want to tell you the thing about the thing about sifting is you know years ago when i was about well i'm hesitant to tell you a date uh, i don't know i was a teenager i think uh, very long time, you know, you know, when I was a young boy, early teenager, we went to the Crater of Diamonds in Arkansas on a family trip, me and my mother and my aunt, and we did a lot of sifting because you gather up dirt, and all you can see is the dirt, and you put it into a, into a, a, a grate, and you sift through it, dry sifting and wet sifting, and ultimately you're trying to weed through all, all the dirt to find the diamonds and um that sifting takes the, the it's rid it's uh it's vigorous and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work but from that action you're left with all of the invaluable things falling to the ground and only the valuable things remaining and so the testings that take place in our life are incredibly uncomfortable but they do the same thing for us they they um they prune us and they they um make for the invaluable things to fall to the ground and only the valuable things to remain. Our integrity shines through in the midst of them. And so this is a, a sifting that's taking place here to Job and he ends up losing all of his wealth and everything that he has and he actually even loses his, his children. And um, it says in verse 22, in all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So even in spite of losing his wealth, his livelihood, uh, everything that he's built for himself, his children, he's obviously heartbroken, but at the same time, he uh, does not blame God that in some way God had... Uh, turned his face against him. That's an important quality to understand that while the things in this life we may not understand and we may not favor and we may not prefer we must we must remain at least leaning upon that God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing even if we don't know what he's doing he still knows what he's doing. And, um, and so then uh, Satan comes back uh, in chapter 2 and um, he uh, accuses Job again that the only reason that Job didn't already turn was because uh, the Lord did not permit Job to attack his own flesh, his own bone. And so God said, well, if you think that's the case, go ahead and, and, and uh, do it. Do what you need to do, but don't take his life. So then... Uh, these sores, these boils uh, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head cover him. And it was so painful. He says he, he takes a piece of broken pottery and, and he begins to scrape himself while he sits in the ashes. And then on top of all of this, his wife looks over at him and says, why are you still holding fast to your integrity? Just curse God and die. But he said back to her, you speak as one of those foolish women. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil and all of this Job did not sin with his lips 
So this is powerful. He it just respects that his life is a gift. He's in God's hands. God gives. God takes away. Um, and, and he has his own purposes and his own reasons for why he's doing this. Okay? And I can say this in my life. I was just doing this yesterday. I was, I was thinking about how how fast God works in a matter of years. But a lot of times we want God to always work in a matter of minutes. And sometimes sometimes we feel as though God falls short of our ability to do what we want Him to do in a minute. Um, but that's just because God exists outside of time. And so He's not in the rush that we are a lot of times. He's always making something bigger and more beautiful than we can comprehend. And so sometimes it feels as though He doesn't do what we want Him to in one minute or in one day. But I challenge you, if, if you've really been walking with the Lord for a number of years, I challenge you to look back at what He's done in the last five years, the last ten years, because I just did this recently as our church was celebrating our five-year anniversary. And I was looking back at the last five years. And listen, there may have been many things along the five years that took place that I did not prefer. There were times when the church's finances fell. Uh, there were times where it looked like everything was going to fall apart. There were leaders that left. There were many people that left over the years. There there was all these things that took place that, that realistically in the moment they were devastating. But I look back now in five years and it's as though nothing bad has ever happened to our church. It's as though every step was completely planned. It's as though we are now in a place as a church that I have no idea how we would have arrived at if God had not orchestrated that we go through so many of the things that we've gone through. And so we just have to trust His plan in, the, in understanding that in His plan there may be days that you don't like and there may be things that occur that you don't prefer. But in the end, God is for you. I hate to spoil Job, but I always do this when I read through Job and I teach it. I want to spoil it by saying at the end of the story, I want you to remember, or I want to, I want to tell you, that Job's going to end up with more than he had in the beginning. Okay, because that's God's nature. Is is that, is that He is a provider for His children, and He looks after them, and if they temporarily lose something, He restores it tenfold, a hundredfold. He blesses His children. He takes care of them. But as a good father, He also allows for them to be sifted and tested at times. So that their character and their integrity can shine through. And so, um, uh, at this point, you know, it, it says three of his friends come. And these friends, you know, we talk a lot about these friends. And it, it's hard with these friends because they're going to talk for a long time. They're going to they're gonna talk for many, many chapters. They're going to take turns, all three of these friends. And I, I, I'm going to tell you... Uh, I remember early, early, early on in my preaching, I um, I was just kind of doing a, a word search in a sermon, and I found a, something that was related to what I was talking about, and it was somewhere in Job, you know, and I I pulled that text, and I remember I quoted it, and I preached it. Nobody said anything to me about it. Well, years later, I, I don't know why, but it just popped back into my head that I had quoted something that one of his friends had said. And I had really quoted it as though it was a really good biblical principle. Because it came from the Bible, right? You know. And later in my 
in my life and in my ministry, I got a little more familiar with the book of Job. And I started to think, oof, I don't know that we should really quote anything that his friends say. Because uh, they weren't, they weren't, you know, it, 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 when this whole thing is over with, God kind of rebu- rebukes his friends because they weren't really sympathetic and they didn't really encourage him. And they really weren't as spiritually wise as they thought they were. But I want to say this. A lot of the things that they're saying um, are not necessarily wrong. It's just that they had a limited understanding to the true sovereignty of God. They had a very narrow-minded mentality that, honestly, a lot of people don't get past. And that is basically a mentality of um, God does good to those who do good and God does bad to those who do bad. Is that true in Scripture sometimes? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we quote passages like, you're going you're gonna, to uh, reap what you sow. Here's the thing, though. God has grace and He has sovereignty. I've reaped a lot of things in my life I didn't sow. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? Um, and there's other times that I have reaped what I've sown. Sometimes it's been a good harvest and sometimes it's been a bad harvest. We can't predict God's ways as though it's like that of karma. That if I do good, then good happens to me. And if I do bad, bad happens to me. See, his friends had pretty well thought they had figured out God. And be careful when you think that. Because you haven't figured out God yet. <laughs> You're going to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out God. Um, his sovereignty is greater than we can imagine. His love is greater than we will ever know. His grace is um, deeper and wider than we can comprehend. And so sometimes... And many times even, he will do things that we don't get. But I want to remind you to just take heart and be patient. Because like I said, there's been, there, I, can't, I cannot sit before you today and think of anything that has taken place in the last five years that um, has any negative influence on me today, if that makes sense. There were things that hurt me that have happened in the last five years. There were things that were downright bad or downright evil that took place in the last five years. But as I sit here today, all I, all I am is filled with thanks because God has either orchestrated all of it or He's turned it all for good. It is not our place to figure out which, okay? Do not think that, you, that the point of becoming a, a student of the Word or of the Lord is to be able to spiritually identify Often, when things come from hell or when they come from heaven, I'm going to tell you, sometimes we just don't know, okay? But we cling to a couple of promises. Romans 8.28 says that He works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's my focus, the end of that verse. Loving Him, responding to the calling of His purpose for my life. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, at the end of Joseph's life. He stands before his brothers. What they did to him was evil. Okay, it wasn't good. It was evil. But, he says in the Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, even though what you intended for evil, God turned for good. Okay, what's happening to Job's life here is evil. But it's coming from Satan. But God's permitting it. Why is God permitting it? For his own sovereign purposes. Okay, that you can see how difficult it can be sometimes to identify whether something is coming from hell or heaven. Because in this instance, it's coming from hell, but heaven allowed it. Why? Because God's sovereign. Don't dwell upon that too much. It'll, it'll hurt your mind.
<laughs> but what you should dwell upon is no matter my circumstance, no matter what happens, no matter what happens around me, God is faithful. He will restore me in his due time. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for my life that is greater than I can comprehend. If I will walk according to his ways, if I will search after him, if I will love him, if I will respond to the callings that he has on my life, he'll work all things together for good. And I know I'm going on a little bit today, a little bit longer than normal. But when it says all things, church, it means all things. I've heard of stories of people that have been paralyzed, lost their ability to walk. God completely uses it to change their heart. What's better to have your legs or your salvation? I've seen people lose, I've seen people born without arms. <coughs> people born People born with medical defects that shorten their life greatly. They live their life knowing that they were they would only get thirty or forty years. <coughs> so they radically live those thirty and forty years better than a lot of us live a hundred. What's better to have thirty or forty years? Radically devoted to God or a hundred devoted to yourself? Well ask Jesus because he only got thirty three. And I think he did a lot with them. We don't understand God's ways. We're not supposed to. We're just supposed to trust them. We're just supposed to trust them.